20 pitches per inning, and that's a high side. 20 times 9 is 180 pitches. Yeah. So about, you know, roughly 175 pitches per team. That roughly you just heard came from Seattle Mariners beat reporter for the Seattle Times, Ryan Divish, who also tweeted out the word roughly yesterday and is low-key the biggest defender of the word. Um, we make fun of Jerry DePoto for it, but it has uh, infiltrated Divish's vernacular. Welcome to Roughly Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Boyd, and I'm joined by not a single person, not even Phil Smirl, though. Phil is on vacation this week. He abandoned me, but I will never abandon you, friends. Uh, these solo episodes do happen from time to time just because of Phil's schedule. Uh, definitely try not to make a habit of it, as our best shows most certainly include some of Phil's voice. Uh, if you swing too far in the other way, I think we run into some trouble there. Um, but uh, we definitely want here Phil here, and you will hear from Phil a little bit later in different capacities. So stay tuned if you if you tune in solely to hear Phil uh, react or overreact to things. I just got back from spring training a few days ago. You pro- can pro- actually sense it in my voice. I'm still a little groggy and, uh, I don't know, uh, three-plus-day hangover, whatever that sensation is from the experience. It was very fun. I've got some notes from Arizona to share, uh, some other news and notes about the team, and I also want to share Phil and I's origin story because he's not here, and normally, I don't know if, well, I, I'd like to, to share the story just because some of you might be new here and not understand how this podcast came to be and uh, why we do this and how we became friends and all that. So I'll share that at the very end um, if you are interested in that. So here we go, starting with my spring training report. First thing I want to talk about has nothing to do with baseball, uh, but the people who helped uh, deliver my friends and I to and from the baseball games. Scottsdale Lyft drivers are a entirely different species of human um, than I have ever encountered in my life. They are uh, not all of them. We had two that were particularly strange. Uh, There's this guy as we were leaving the first game that we were at, which was the, um, the would have been the Friday game in Peoria. This guy, Greg, who was driving a van um, about four minutes into the the car ride um, has to detour through a parking lot because he's fed up with traffic and is just talking the entire time. And from the back seat, all of us hear him talking to my good friend, Michael Stanton in the front seat saying, if I don't vent, I'm going to end up as one of those guys on CNN. Um, and we have about 40 plus minutes to go in the car ride at this point. So of course we have no choice, but to listen to him and allow him to vent so that he does not become one of those guys on CNN, which was uh, very comfortable um, for the rest of us as we experienced that. That is the thing about Peoria. If you stay in Scottsdale, which I recommend just for the amount of things to do, Peoria is far from Scottsdale, like half an hour, 35 minutes, depending on where you stay with no traffic. But for a game, looking at like a 45-minute ride. Um, And if you have a driver like we did, you will be both, um, I guess, mildly entertained and also incredibly uncomfortable for a good chunk of that. So that was Greg. And then we had Chad who um, had a sticker on his window that said the Chad as in the vehicle of that he was driving was named after him. It's called the, the Chad. His car was outfitted with all kinds of the most obnoxious things you could possibly imagine. Uh, there was a, I sat in the front for this ride. He had a microphone in the front seat. And I was unsure why he had that, but that was to communicate with us in the car and also anyone on the street whom he would uh, want to yell at or say, let's fucking go to uh, in the streets of Scottsdale. His car had underglow 
uh, lights everywhere. We were in the daytime, so you probably didn't see the full regalia here, but it looked like Tron Legacy in in this vehicle. Um, very, he he was less weird. Well, he was less um, uh, scary, I guess, than Greg. Um, but uh, he did have three dollar airplane shots in the glove compartment, uh, of which you could just tip him three plus dollars than you normally would to uh, to secure an airplane shot. So he got a nice twelve dollar tip for for us as we went down there. Both of these guys bought their cars in twenty eighteen and had a combined five hundred and thirty thousand miles on their vehicles. <clears throat> so these two guys drive Scottsdale. Like we were asking Chad of like, what's your busiest time of the year? And Chad's answer was like all <laughs> effing year, like bachelor parties, bachelorettes, weddings, uh, golf trips, uh, spring training. Like it is, it is, um, it is similar to, it is like Vegas with some polish. I would, I would describe it that way. And uh, these two guys certainly were a, a feature of that experience. Like I said, Scottsdale, I think, is a better place to stay than Peoria. Peoria is not close. We weren't able to check it out as much, um, so I don't really know too much about the uh, the area around the stadium. Um, but uh, this, the Peoria Sports Complex, super nice. It's kind of um, like a more pure baseball feel, just very simple. Uh, you know, you got the berm, batter's eye, you know, kind of regular old street food and, and you know, very open stadium. Scottsdale, uh, the the uh, facility that the Diamondbacks and Rockies share, where we watched the the game against the uh, the Rockies on Saturday of last week, that stadium is super cool. It is like a beautiful modern stadium with really cool architecture, uh, much more shade at that stadium, and much bigger, much more uh, things to do. Capacity is way bigger, um, so that's a cool stadium if you're going to be down there to to check it out. Scottsdale in general, though. Um, I would call it the divorced but thriving capital of the United States. Like it is a lot of mid forties people, extremely tan, um, you know, who are, are rebounding well from uh, the FTX collapse is just, uh, I'll just leave it there as, uh, as we um, kind of close out the, the Scottsdale part and talk about the thing you maybe wanted to hear about, which is baseball. So, I would I, I think going to this spring training was um, especially nice because being in a stadium before uh, the start of the actual regular season is helpful to kind of get a sense of what these new rules feel like in actual game. TV and the, the the live experience of watching baseball are two different things. And I would I would definitively say that the weirdness and abruptness that the pitch clock offers, uh, on a tel in, in television that Phil and I were talking about last time we spoke does not really carry over to an in-game stadium environment. You can see the pitch clock. Obviously, it's it's you know very hard to miss if you're watching the the actual pitch, but it does not have the same feel uh, at, when you're there. It doesn't feel so fast and and uh, rushed as it might on TV, which I thought was interesting. It might just be my experience, but it, from from my experience and from everyone I was talking to, that was kind of the consensus. It's like, yeah, this doesn't feel that weird um, or different from from how we are used to watching baseball. Uh, the, the shift rule, and th this is true whether you watch it in TV or or in the stadium, but I just I I really like the shift rule because an out in the hole between first base and second base is a nice play. Like if, if, if you can get to that ball, 
it's because you made a nice play ranging as the second baseman to go get it. Or, um, you know, the first, the first baseman had to go up and then the pitcher runs to it. It's a nice play rather than just like a, you know, a market effect where they were prepared for it and had a guy standing in that hole. So it's, it's a very aesthetically pleasing thing to have back in baseball. It's just a nice play. Um, I'm actually thinking directly of a, of a ball Jared Kellenick kind of stung into right field that the second baseman was able to go get and throw him out. And it's like, you got to hand it to him at that point. Whereas before it was like, God damn it. This rule is, is just uh, squashing well-hit balls. Stolen bases, extra bags, I think are, um, are, are definitely noticeable. I mean, more, more it's spring training for one, but um, you know, so there's some, some clunky fielding and, and defensive play, but more running. It seems like more, more pushing one to two, two to three, uh, Jacob Nottingham at, a, at an inside the park home run yesterday. That might be an effect of that. Although I believe there's a, an outfielder injury involved in that particular play. Uh, but it does feel like there will be more motion in the game, which I think is, um, if you've heard me long enough, especially, but I think Phil agrees with this, it's just ultimately such a, a boon for baseball to have balls in play and, you know, guys stretching out, uh, sliding into third for, for, you know, a, a close play triple or a close play double, um, if they're sliding into second, that is an exciting play in baseball. Home runs are great, but uh, they don't take as long and they don't have as much drama um, in them as uh, as balls into the gap do. So I'm excited to see that. It also might honestly be a placebo effect. You know, if you know as a runner that you have, um, you know, those three extra in- inches between first and second, you might even even if even if you're the, the effect is about the same, you might think that you are safer and therefore, um, you know, be more confident to steal a base or confident to, to stretch it out. And uh, that ultimately is good for baseball as well. Speaking of Jared Kelenic, I think uh, as we're talking about like features of spring training, you know, we were, we were out there, we were, you know, watching games, we were kind of taking it all in, having a good time. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, we had the scorebook out there and we're, we're super dialed in on, on, um, you know, the Brennan Bernardino's, uh, <laughs> you know, fastball action. It wasn't that type of viewing experience for, for our crew, but even in the, the, you know, the, uh, how we were watching games, Jared Kellenick's play and Jared Kellenick's effect was quite interesting. I mean, that it was, it was uh, because we were there when the, the WBC was going on, there's no Julio, um, you know, there's not a lot of these fixtures of the team. And so Jared Kellenick was kind of the star of the show for the Mariners. I mean, he, he's hitting third, um, you know, it's like, he's the, the hot story and he played very well in the games that we saw and he has continued to play well in the, in the time since we saw him hit a triple in Scottsdale against the Rockies. We were on the third base line as that happened. Um, just perfect base running, like perfect, perfect base running, rounding second into third, um, you know, hit the ball extremely hard into the gap and was running three the entire way. And it has felt like he is, his mentality is very like a composed F you this, this, this spring. And that is exciting because the composure is is the key with Jared Kellenick. If he can keep that, um, it feels like his swing has been fixed. You know, he's hit safely in nine of 11 games. He's got an OPS of 1484. Like, he's hitting. But he's not going to hit at that level in the major leagues. Um, you know, he, he might have an 0 for 12 uh, streak at some point. He probably will have an 0 for 12 streak at that point. Can he rebound? Can he stay consistent? Can he stay uh, with the mechanics that he's settled into? And, you know, get out of his head and move on. And and honestly, the pitch clock, 
the the faster game, the the not having to worry about the shift, all of these things might benefit him in a way uh, that allow him to just play and not think so much, um, which is of course incredibly exciting. But when he gets hit with that first punch, how is he going to respond? I mean, 2021, he dominated Triple A to start that season and um, struggled mightily when he came up um, after that. And and it's like, you know, it's not about necessarily how well he's doing at lower levels. It's can he put pen to paper when it comes to um, to actually playing. Go to spring training, though. I, I That's my final thought on final thought in the positive for for spring training. It is super fun. If you are a baseball diehard, it's awesome. If you like to just have a good time in the in nice weather, uh, leaving Seattle or leaving a place that doesn't have great weather like I do in Philly, although it's been very nice, it, it's a great time. You know, it's pretty easy to get to. Um, uh, lots to do within Scottsdale uh, if you stay there. And I would just highly recommend it. So go to spring training. If you're, you're on the fence about it, you got to go. Um, I think like if I had a child who loved baseball, I would definitely do it because it's the biggest way to endure, endear them to you or endear whatever the, the phrase would be there um, because it is a baseball heaven. Like you are so close to the players. Um, you can arrive early, see them play, get close to them in a way that you just can't um, in a major league environment. So that's a uh, future parent me. I'm just bookmarking that things I'm not liking are just other stuff. Kyle Lewis right now has an OPS. The uh, last time I checked, which is yesterday, might have changed, uh, has an OPS of 1.417 in spring training. Um, he is hitting very well. He's played DH in every game that he's played. And, uh, you know, at this point, I, I'm just happy for him because good Kyle Lewis, hitting Kyle Lewis is is great. And I hope that he can stay healthy and hit for Diamondbacks because um, he's, I think, uh, a fun player and uh, so much potential that just didn't ever get topped, never got tapped into in Seattle. But on the counterpoint of that, Cooper Hummel, the guy that the Mariners traded, um, has been fantastic. Uh, 1.296 OPS. He, uh, we saw a home run that he hit in Peoria. He looks very good. Um, and his positional versatility, his, um, uh, switch hit or switch hitting it, switch hittedness will allow him, I think, to, uh, to make this team as we'll talk about in just a little bit, uh, here after this segment, the, other part that I don't like uh, just our broken brains and Jared Kellenick, Um, after his two home run day last week, Mariners Twitter just looked at the the charts and uncovered how he was only, or he, he, I think his four home runs up at that point were all fastballs down the middle. Um, and one, that's a new one for Jared being able to do that on a consistent basis. Like <laughs> that is a win for him. And two, you know, who else sort destroys center cut stuff? Every good hitter, right? Pitchers are not just going to paint the corners all the time. There will be fastballs down the middle. And if you can hit those, you can have a career. And and if you only hit those, you can have a career. And so Jared being able to do that on top of everything else that he's doing is uh, is good. So uh, it just, we are so conditioned to um, get into the negative and assume that this isn't going to work out. And I get it and it might not work out, but like, God, chill out. This is, it's an observation to make that yes, he's only hit these fastballs uh, or that all four of his fastballs have hit home runs, but to say it in the, the negative connotation as if um, that is a, a harbinger of doom is, uh, is, is I think just silly. Another thing uh, I feel like the word soggy as an adjective for a player describing their health um, should be banned from Mariners vernacular. They, they describe JP Crawford as having a soggy shoulder 
No, don't, don't, don't do that. Uh, soggy was the word used to describe Drew Smiley's arm, I believe in 2017, coming off the, the WBC. And uh, we never saw him pitch for the Mariners ever again. So just let's, let's avoid soggy because it uh, it immediately tells me that something something's um, something dubious is happening. Although J.B. Crawford had hit yesterday and appears to be just fine. But um, another word, please. And then two things from 710 ESPN um, or whatever they call it now, my sports, my sports Northwest, whatever it is that the radio station that uh, Brock and Salk are on with their weekly radio session with Jerry DePoto on Thursdays, which I always listen to because that is where the majority of the roughlies that you hear come from is from, from those interviews, um, either there, the wheelhouse or um, MLB network or wherever Jerry DePoto talks because he talks everywhere. I'm always listening to those really with the, you know, uh, I'm listening to what they're saying, but really just to see if if a roughly gets said. But two things that were said on that uh, particular interview were um, a little weird. <laughs> and I mean, this like facetiously, like not actually weird, but just uh, it's like, oh, God. They refer to Jerry DePoto as Jerry Dripoto, as in drip, as in like, you know, well-dressed and looking nice. And um, I, I think that I could just go away. Let's not. I feel like drip is dying anyways, and attaching it to DePoto is... Um, just uh, uh, makes my skin crawl. And then the other thing, they're they're referring to Luis Castillo as the Rock, which is the English translation of his nickname, which is La Piedra. Um, and I feel like calling him the Rock does a disservice. You can call him La Piedra, that is the nickname, but the Rock one is reserved for somebody else who you know is is a little bit famous. And then uh, it's like that's not the word, you know. It's like it, there's it's like calling El Duque Hernandez like the duke no his his, na- his nickname is la piedra it's fine to call him that um if you're going to use a nickname but luis castillo works great too and then one other thing um in this kind of weird uh, section here i was exposed to this idea called the bader meinhof bader meinhof effect which uh, some of you may know if you've never heard of it it is the effect where you start to notice things more once you're focused on it like um if you are driving around in your community and you're like oh my gosh, there's so many Subarus here. Like you're going to see more Subarus because you're focused on that. You've set it in your head as this bias that there's a lot more Subarus and therefore um, there are more Subarus. It was a little scary to hear about this effect, knowing that this entire premise of the podcast is that uh, Jerry DePoto, Mariners president of baseball operations, says the word roughly a lot and it has infiltrated the, uh, the Mariners vernacular as I talked about at the very beginning here. But uh, I'm going to choose to just completely ignore this effect and not make it seem like it's this bias but an actual thing that that word is uh is is widespread through the organization all right last baseball thing before we get to a word from our sponsors let's get to 26 on the uh the roster here so this is a a somewhat simple thing on the the pitching side um starters plus chris flexen gets you to six of course, there has to be seven or third. So has to be thirteen pitchers, thirteen hitters on the twenty-six uh, man roster. So you're going to have seven relievers on top of those those uh, those six guys: Paul Seawald, Matt Vesta, uh, Diego Castillo, Andres Munoz, Matt Brash, Penn Murphy. I feel like are your six, and then the seventh could be anybody. I really don't know. Um, you know, Casey Sadler hasn't started throwing yet. Uh, Trevor God has not looked great. Um, you know, Brendan Bernardino is a name the, there's, um, Riley O'Brien is, is pitching well. I, I really have no idea where, who that, that, uh, that last reliever is going to be. Um, but, uh, I guess that's, that's, that's the spot that they're playing for at this point. 
Could it be somebody like an Emerson Hancock or a Bryce Miller? I don't know. I feel like the, the the plan for those guys all along is to have them start. But, um, you know, talent might win out. So we'll see there. And then on the, the hitting side, you have your, your starting eight um, of uh, Ty France. Sorry, Cal Raleigh, Ty France, uh, Colton Wong, J.P. Crawford, Gino Suarez, Julio, Jared Kalanick, Julio Rodriguez, and Teoscar Hernandez, which leaves five bench spots. Tom Murphy will absolutely be on the team. Uh, A.J. Pollock seems like a lock as well. Uh, we do remember you this time, A.J. Pollock. We forgot you last episode. Dylan Moore, These. this is assuming health, Dylan Moore um, would be the third one. Sam Haggerty, I feel like is, is safe to make the team. Um, and then Cooper Hummel, who Corey Brock, who covers the Mariners for the Athletics, said if Cooper Hummel doesn't make the team, he will eat his shoe. So uh, that means no Evan White, no Tommy LaStella, and no Cal Cal... No Cal Oof. No Cole Calhoun, um, who is uh, a Mariners nemesis, but is is uh, within the organization now, in my estimations. I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Calhoun maybe switched out for Haggerty or if Dylan Moore has to send, start in the IL. But uh, Evan White was just sent down to AAA yesterday, uh, which if Phil was here, we'd talk more about that decision, about him, big picture. But we'll leave that for a, a different time. And then Tommy LaStella has just not really been healthy and uh, has not, you know, really done anything super of note in his um, in his uh, at bats so far. He hasn't really even, I think, been able to play in the field so far. And um, so I, I can't imagine that he, you know, is able to to turn it around is with uh, less than what three weeks left. But um, you never know. So I think, assuming it. it Murphy, Pollock, Dylan Moore, Hummel, those four, I feel solid right now. But uh, Haggerty, I think, would be the fifth. And then that could be Listella or maybe Cole Calhoun instead, instead of right that time. All right, let's take a break here from our friends at Elm Coffee Roasters. And then uh, I'll tell you Phil and I's origin story after the break. All right, I'm recording this about 8.30 in the morning, uh, my time here in Philadelphia. I'm very groggy, woke up. Not as early as I wanted to, but uh, before 6.30, let's say. Went to the gym. I've been uh, kind of scrambling, getting a lot of stuff done, including recording this podcast. And so I need uh, I need some good-ass coffee in the morning, and I'm currently drinking it. And that coffee, that good-ass coffee, is coming from Elm Coffee Roasters. Currently drinking their Colombia Jorge Rojas uh, blend, which if you know Elm and kind of know how they they present their their stuff, they uh, put out the the nodes and the flavors that that you'll uh, that you'll you know or more nodes than flavors I would say nodes that make that flavor or that particular roast special. Um, the nodes on this one you have caramel apple, red fruit, and chocolate. It's it's delicious. It uh, is just full bodied, which you know is the thing that you say about wine, but I think is so true. Like if if you're a Folgers person or if you're just a, a Costco coffee person, like you're just not getting that full bodied coffee experience. And so I love Elm for that reason. It makes me feel like I went to a coffee shop and got coffee uh, before uh, my day. And, and that makes me feel somewhat accomplished. But all I did was just brew it my own uh, little, you know, coffee, Mr. Coffee machine downstairs. Elm's great. They've been uh, great friends of ours. I can see when the coffee was roasted. It was March 2nd, 2023. So I know it was fresh when it showed up at my place and it still tastes fresh here uh, a couple of weeks after that. So if you'd like to get your own box of Elm Coffee Roasters or multiple boxes of Elm Coffee Roasters, you can get 25% off of your first order of Elm by using the promo code roughly, like the name of this podcast, R-O-U-G-H-L-Y, 
at checkout to get 25% off your first order. So highly recommend you do that. Enjoy yourself some good ass coffee. All right, back to the show. So like I said, I wanted to provide Phil and I's origin story because it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a meet cute for podcast partners. Um, you know, we are of course the only two um, white guy friends who have ever started a podcast, which we feel quite proud with. It's, it's, um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's fun to be out here on the Island like that getting, of course. Um, but I first, uh, met Phil, we were in the same fraternity together at university of Washington. And, uh, we lived in this big, uh, it's called sleeping porch. And, uh, there's just this huge room. There are 31 of us at the beginning before <laughs> that sounds really bad. But, uh, you know, people leave or whatever and have different family circumstances happen. So 31 of us in this room and uh, Phil and I lived across from, you know, on different sides of the room. And I was walking around one day, this is early in our freshman year, it's probably like September. And I'd probably like talk to Phil a little bit, but I noticed that on his uh, his laptop, he had a sticker, a Seattle Mariner sticker. And so I started talking to him. I was like, you know, um, talking to him with my like B plus Seattle Mariners knowledge. And I quickly understood that this was not a normal person. <laughs> like this was somebody who is uh, very, very dialed in. And it was like, okay, this, this person is not just somebody I can like, you know, cursorily talk about the Mariners with. This is somebody who I can really dig deep with. And so I enjoyed that about Phil. We had a few classes together or um, were kind of, um, you know, on campus at the same time and uh, would take walks together uh, in UW's campus back to our house going to class and things like that. And uh, when we were in our various situations with, um, you know, in our love life freshman year, Phil and I would use baseball analogies to talk about the current situations we were in. And I won't use any of them because, um, you know, they they need to be respectful for the people that they were talking about, but um, just the, uh, the, you know, it was, it was a way of, of us being able to talk about real life things through a baseball context. And that was, I think something that has carried on through our friendship and uh, so, you know, we, th that was, that was the basis of our friendship. And then in, uh, in the middle of freshman year, Phil um, had a, a family situation that forced him into um, kind of a, a very quick growing up period. And so I didn't see Phil a ton um, in the, the three years since or after that uh, until the end of college, you know, he was around as often as he could, but uh, Phil was busy. And, you know, when I did see him, it was always a good time. And, you know, uh, great to have him as a friend. And then after college, he knew that I was, you know, we kept in touch. Um, he knew that I was podcasting um, for a previous feed and he advocated for a slot talking about the Mariners of just like, you know, can we do this? And that was probably roughly 2017, 2018 um, that um, that would have started. And it started out as a segment uh, called Mariner Monday on my old podcast, Boy Meets World. If you ever wanted to go listen to any of that, um, please don't actually. Not that it was bad. It's just, you know, we've, we've, we've matured, but uh, so we started Mariner Monday and we could tell that we had something good and we were, we were really hitting a good stride um, up until March, 2020. And then if you know what happened in March, 2020 uh, everything shut down. So baseball shut down and, you know, we were talking a lot because, because um, there was no baseball and, and, you know, it's like when, it, you know, as the, the, the world is shut down, he was, you know, he's in the restaurant industry. His life was, uh, completely flipped upside down. And uh, so we started to to kind of build it out and and talk more and just, you know, talk about other stuff. And I think Phil and I understood that we um, always had a, a really close connection that extended beyond baseball. And so that that carried through. And then when baseball was back, 
we, that 60 game season, uh, we podcasted through that. And then, uh, heading into the 2021 season, we wanted to, to make it its own thing. We, we discovered and uncovered and realized that we had something I think that was, um, you know, special. And, you know, if you're listening to this right now, it's cause you have some semblance of agreement with that. And, uh, we started roughly a podcast and our first episode, if you remember, was talking about the, uh, Kevin Mather LP, which had just dropped, days before we were going to start our, our very first episode of roughly a podcast. And so it is always synonymous with that, that uh, we got a ton of content to talk about from the very beginning. And it has now become, become this where um, hopefully that kind of kindred spirit, the um, longstanding friendship between Phil and I comes through on this, but also um, you can see our different perspectives on baseball where I'm like, you know, I'm the host of this podcast. I play point and I don't even pretend to know as much about baseball or think about as much, think about baseball in the same way or as much as Phil does. Uh, but we can still have very hearty discussions about that. Even if his camera's off and he doesn't have a new microphone and he's not the, uh, the perfect um, podcast partner in a vacuum, but uh, for this podcast, he is absolutely the perfect podcast partner. So um, yeah, that's kind of it. And we've just been rolling ever since. And uh, I hope that um, this, this continues to build and grow and, and uh, you know, we, we never lose sight of how we started, which was just buddy buddies talking about ball in a non-serious way. And I think, you know, sometimes things can get serious and sometimes the stakes can get really high, but uh, I don't ever want us to lose sight of that. Uh, this is a game. I think uh, a supporter of ours referred to us as um, not being super serious, not taking things over serious, overly serious about, about this team and about this sport. And we will continue to do that. So Thanks for listening. I don't even know if anyone would have asked for that, but I just thought it was important to, to kind of share our origin story because I'm not sure we'd ever done that on these airwaves. Speaking of Phil, Phil is is on vacation. He's very much uh, tuned into baseball as much as he can be. And I'm just going to read you some texts from Phil in the last two weeks. These are all chronological order um, and kind of help to uh, 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 color where his head is at in case you are are curious. Here they are. Text one, Jared, please stop. Home run opposite way in the crispest, crispest line drive single off a breaking ball I've ever seen him do. This is, again, chronological order, so about two weeks ago. Text number two, Trevor Gott does not look like a major league reliever. Text number three, this actually starts with me texting Phil. Devin Williams of the Milwaukee Brewers, great pitcher, versus Jared Kalanick should be interesting. Phil Smeraldo, for sure strikeout. That changeup is murder on lefties. About 16 seconds later, Jared Kalanick, uh, deposits one 430 feet over the batter's eye straightaway center. And uh, it ensues to me texting bro. And then him laughing hysterically. Another text. It's depressing that we have Bryce Miller and Marco is going to be allowed to make 30 starts instead. Uh, that'll probably be a theme of this season as it was last season. It's just a, a perpetual frustration with, uh, with Marco Gonzalez. Another text, Kalanick, Miller, Baroa, of course, Jared, Bryce, and Prelander for Brian Reynolds of the of the Pirates. Yes or no? And the discussion there was like, my heart says no, but my head says probably yes on that, which is where we both both landed there. Another text. All right, Jared is fixed. I've, I've seen enough after him doing something. Another text. After the triple that he hit in Scottsdale, I'm starting to believe in him and I hate it. He's going to absolutely shit the bed during the season and it's going to devastate me even more. And then yesterday when I asked him to text me his biggest reaction to uh, spring training so far for the purpose of this segment, he said, I'm not falling for the Jared hype and we have zero infield depth depth. Colin Moran being the next man up at third base is horrifying. And our backup shortstop is Mason McCoy. 
Um, and he's not wrong. That's uh, that's true and a little bit scary for sure. So um, we'll see if that becomes a storyline throughout the season because uh, both of those things are correct. We don't have guys to to fill that slot. Um, we don't have guys to fill that slot, like capital G guys. Um, so there's Phil. That was his little pop in to this. You'll hear him back as soon as he is available. All right. Bike ride and hydro Eric Burns bike ride and hydro both go to Greg and Chad, our Uber drivers um, this week. Uh, they were fantastic. They got us to where we needed to go. We certainly had enough content to talk about them, um, but also God, they may not be the people I ever want to be surrounded by again. So those guys get both the golden hydro and the bike ride of the week for their service. That'll do it for this solo show. If you liked what you heard today or want to, uh, uh, to bet that you know the the me plus Phil combo is is worth listening to. Uh, subscribe to us, leave us a review. All of those things are very helpful to us um, as we continue our efforts to grow this thing out. Follow us on Twitter at at roughly a podcast. We post funny stuff on there. Buy some coffee at elmcoffeeroasters.com. We love you. Go Mariners.